praise the Lord. That's the whole point of uh, what we are aiming for uh, gathering at this time uh, throughout this season is just a reminder to help us all put into focus what really matters. Uh, We're continuing with our Advent series called The Gifts of Christmas. And as you saw there, we're talking today, we're going to unwrap the gift of joy today. Uh, And I, I, I would dare say that if we were just gut honest, we could all use a good dose of joy. Right? Come on, go ahead and get it out of the way and say, yeah, I need some joy. I need joy. I need joy. You got the the old song we used to sing. Maybe you you remember this. I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? That's right. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And you remember, even it goes on to say, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can... Yeah. I would demonstrate, but if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. I remember singing that song, believe it or not, in a Nazarene church when I was about eight, nine years old. Wasn't saved, didn't know anything about the Lord, didn't really even want to go to church, but had to, and... uh, forced to go into a children's church room where I only knew like one person. And that song, the children's church teacher, led us in that song. And that song is obviously, it's never left me. It's never escaped my mind. But oftentimes through life, as Tim already mentioned, when life kicks hard, that joy is sometimes hard to be found. And today I want to encourage you, want to encourage myself, want to encourage us all that Jesus is the joy. And with Him in our life, keeping Him front and center, keeping the package of of the gift of God opened in our life, will give room for greater joy to come in our hearts. Amen? And in our families. Let me invite you to turn with me to the Scriptures today. Also be on the screen. I want to remind you we're, we're going to be in Psalm 96, first off, Psalm 96, and then 1 Peter chapter 1. Psalm 96 and then 1 Peter chapter 1. Just as a reminder, we have our Gifts of Christmas devotional book uh, as a gift for all of you and your households and your families. Uh, there are some still available at the guest and connect table there in the back. I just want to encourage you to pick one up if you have not. And if you do have one and it's like just sitting somewhere in your house, I, I can't encourage you enough to, to pick it up and take about seven minutes out of your day. Out of 24 hours, take seven minutes and read the devotional for the day. Uh, I, I can't tell you, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been good for me as I've been going through this just reading this and praying, it's just stirred my heart and helped me to uh, put focus where I need to put focus. Because how many of you know it's hard, it's easy to get down with life. It's easy to get down with, with tribulations and trials, with difficulties, with, with our own selves sometimes. It's easy to get down. And, uh, and so it's so important that we remember what the Lord teaches us about joy. Psalm 96. Verse 11, it says, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound, and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant, and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. And verse 13, the beginning, says, Let all creation, say, that's me. 
Say, that's me. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. For He is coming. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. He writes this. He says, you love Jesus even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Anybody ever had a moment where you've tried to describe something, but you couldn't put it into words? The feeling you were feeling on the inside and the experiences you were experiencing on the inside, and you were trying to relay that to someone else, but you just found it difficult to put into words. Anybody? Been there for something? Yeah, that is the joy of God, the joy of the Lord. And Peter says, you trust in Jesus, you love Jesus, you love Him and you serve Him. He says, and you will have a glorious, inexpressible Joy. The joy will be evident, but it will be hard to describe it to people. I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of joy to be so real in my life that no matter what I face, no matter what I encounter, no matter what I deal with, no matter the situation or people that I have to do or talk to or whatever I have to endure, I want that kind of joy that is promised in Christ to be so rich, so full, and so abounding in my life that people look at me and, and they look at my situation or they look at what I've come through and they're like, why aren't you mad? Why aren't you ticked off? Why aren't you screaming angry at the world? Why aren't you pointing your fingers and blaming people because of what is happening in your life? I can, all I want to be able to say is, you know what? I know life happens, but joy is unspeakable and it's full of glory. And this joy that I tell you doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus because He's so filling and He's so rich and He's so powerful and He's so loving and He's so hopeful. And that is the joy that we are called to give and called to have that is promised in Jesus Christ. Amen. Who wants that kind of joy? No matter what your bank account says, no matter what your pantry says, no matter what your body says, no matter what your boss says, no matter what your kids say, no matter what you have to say, I want that kind of joy to abound in my life. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be down. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be confused. I just want the joy of the Lord in my life. Come on, anybody want that? The joy of the Lord that life and the enemy and this world tries to kill, steal, and destroy. That you and I still have a guarantee and a promise that you and I can walk through life and have joy. Amen? Why else would we follow Jesus? Why else would we say yes to a king? Why else would we follow His commands? If He can't give us joy, He gives us joy. I don't want life to rob me of that. I don't want my flesh to rob me of that. I don't want the enemy to rob me of that. Because the Bible teaches us and promises us and says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He's our strength. Right? Did anybody watch Saturday Night Live last night? Anybody going to admit it in church? I'll admit it. I watched some of Saturday Night Live last night, right before I went to sleep. 
But you know who the host was? You can't see me. John Cena. Yeah, you know who John Cena is. I, uh-huh. Everybody's like, oh, giving me that look. Oh, John Cena. And, and, and it had this little, this little skit going on with it. Others were, you know, trying to be like fake wrestlers and mess with him. And he had enough, and he just took his coat off. And he had this ripped-off shirt, his sleeves, and, and all you could see was, you know, the, the 24-inch pythons there. And, and, and they all backed off of him. And, but, it, but he was confident in his strength. And it was funny the way they did it. It was, it was just com- comedic. But the thing that sticks out to me is, you know what? You and I can be confident in the strength that we have because of the joy of Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter what. No matter what. So let's unpack this gift of joy today. The last two weeks we talked about unpacking the the gift of hope and unpacking the gift of love. Unwrapping those beautiful gifts, the hope of God and the love of God that fills our life. And today we're going to unpack the gift of joy. I think this is a question we all are nagged by, and that is this. What if we just don't feel joy this season? What if I just don't feel it? How can we receive this gift of joy even in the midst of what we are going through in our own lives? How can we experience and have this gift of joy even when we're, we may be stressed out? We may be overwhelmed. We may have had some things happen that we sure didn't count on, that we didn't bank for, we didn't plan for. Maybe some unfair things, some disadvantaged things that you and I may have had to encounter. Maybe, maybe how do we get this and receive and experience this gift of joy in the midst of, of pain, in the midst of grief? Good question to ask, right? Well, God gives us the answers in His Word. That we are, today, let's look at how we can anticipate and, ex, and recognize and, and choose joy even in the midst of, of this life. Number one, anticipate joy. How many of you, anybody in here work for the United States Postal Service? Just don't go postal on us. Well, how many of you have heard some of the stories about the United States Postal Service where packages and letters have been delivered like late, like years later? Somebody, yeah, that, that happens. Uh, nobody's perfect. Um, but there's one that was written about in the Washington Post in 2015, last year, and it was about a letter that reached its intended recipient 14 years later. That's late. If it would have been a bill, they would have been calling on you, right? It was a letter. But the letter was written from a father in India to his son who was in New York City. Uh, and it was handwritten a few short weeks after 9-11. And it was... It, it was um, a bit confusing, you know, obviously, that it showed up 14 years later. And the man's father, he had died a few years earlier before this son had received this letter. And so as he, he described in the newspaper, he said, the man, he said, I was flooded with a deep reminder and, a, and sense of connection to my late father. He said, tears flooded his eyes as he held a physical object created by his father who was no longer present, expressing concerns about his sons and his grandchildren's safety and, and all the events, the tragic events that took place there at 9-11. said, in the article the son wrote, he said, 14 years is a long time to wait for a letter. 
but rarely has one been more welcome. The expression of concern in the letter is sadly still relevant today, but the physical letter itself was a real joy, even though it was 14 years late. The letter itself was joy. You know, joy can be that way sometimes. It was that way with the shepherds on the first Christmas. Let's look at the scripture in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, the night of Christ's birth. Verse 8, it said that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding and watching their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, an angel. Okay, I haven't seen an angel. Anybody seen a literal angel? It does something to you. So I've heard. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, I bet. They were scared. Scared. They were scared. But the angel reassured them, first off, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, don't be afraid because of I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. You see, that is the news of heaven. Good news that brings great joy to all people. I love that. All. That encompasses every nation, every people group, every demographic, that the good news of God is is supposed to generate and bring joy to our life. And he said, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, this is the good news, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Verse 16. says says, the shepherds, they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Verse 20. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, sad, depressed, Lonely, right? Does that say that? No, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I was mis, misreading something here. It says, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen, the sights and the sounds of Christmas. And it was just as the angel had told them. You know, we, we have the advantage. We, we've read, read the story, have read the story, so we know what's coming. We know that Christ came, Christ was born, and we know that there's even more to come in His second return back to earth. And because of that, because you and I know, because God has been so good at preserving His holy word, passing it down from generation to generation, opening up our ears, and opening up our eyes and revealing to our hearts His promise for us. That you and I then have this advantage that we, we and I, you and I, we can anticipate the arrival of joy. Even when we struggle. Even when we struggle with the realities of the day. You and I can still anticipate joy. I mean, the realities of the shepherd's day. The shepherd's. 
They were guarding, they were watching, they were anticipating. It was dark, it was lonely, it was cold in their world. In fact, the shepherds during that time, they were some of the most overlooked and underappreciated people. Anybody ever been overlooked and underappreciated? It doesn't feel good, does it? It, it, it's not a good place to be in when we experience that. But who got the first news? Who did the angels show up to? The overlooked and the underappreciated came to remind them that good news has come. Good news has come, the kind of good news that will bring joy to your life, even when it's dark, even when it's cold, and even when it's lonely. Shepherds overlooked, underappreciated. In fact, it was like that even with King David before he became king. The Samuel, Samuel the prophet was told by the Lord to go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem and anoint the next king. And so he did what he told him to do. He went there and he saw Jesse and he had all of his sons line up and he went through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his sons and each time he went to one he thought, surely this is the one, surely this is the one, surely this is the one. And Samuel couldn't get, he got through all seven and the Lord was like, Samuel, he, that, none of them are the ones is the one that I have picked, the one that I have chosen to be the king. And so Samuel, a bit confused, spoke to Jesse, the father, and he's like, hey, do you have any more? You got any more boys? He's like, well, I've got one, but he's out there with the sheep. See, he's a little shepherd boy, overlooked, underappreciated, the youngest. And Samuel said, well, can you go get him? Can you just bring him in? Well, you see, he's going to smell. He's been with the sheep. Uh, He's going to be pretty dirty. He's not going to really look like the part that you're maybe looking for. Samuel said, you know, just bring him in anyway. And as soon as he walked in, David walked in, the Lord said, Samuel, that's the one. Anoint him. He's the next king. And that's exactly what he did. The shepherd. A shepherd boy, overlooked, underappreciated, dirty, filthy, smelly, been outside playing, rolling around with the sheep, protecting them from the bears and the lions that nobody else knew about. And he didn't have to clean himself up to come to receive from God. Friends, that's the lie of this world and the lie of the enemy that says you've got to clean yourself up in order to come to God. And God says, no, I'm here. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. You're dirty. You're clean. You might smell. You might might be overlooked and underappreciated. You might not stand out like some other people. But I've come for you, and I want to anoint your life. I mean, I want to change your life, and I want to bring you joy. See, that was the reality of the shepherds, that joy came that night to the broken, to the destitute, and to the humble. That... I believe the angel came to the shepherds to let the world know anybody who's disenfranchised, anybody who's dislocated, anybody who feels out of place, anybody who doesn't feel accepted, people who don't feel like they got their life all together, people who's got lives confused and things are chaotic, that Jesus says, I've come to change your life and you don't have to make it right in order to come to me first. I'm the one who will make it right for you. So what's your reality? That was the shepherd's reality. What's your reality? See, the shepherds had this anticipation that mortal was was to come, and it shows us, it tells us this, friends, is that you and I then can also have anticipation 
that more is on the way, that better is on the way. You see, the manger of the Christ child gives us hope in our heart. It gives us love in our, in our life, and it brings joy to our soul. Scripture reminds us in Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping endures for the night, but joy, joy, joy comes in the morning. And friend, I want to tell you this today. Whatever your reality is in your life right now, whatever it is you're, you are actually dealing with, wrestling with, trying to come to terms with, get grips on, get control over, have, have, have victory over, have some peace in your life, whatever it is, I want to tell you, anticipate the joy of the Lord that is on its way. Scripture teaches us not to only anticipate that it's coming, but then to actually recognize it when you see it. Recognize it when you see it. Let's look at this story of the wise men. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, the wise men. Anybody ever wonder why these three, we three kings of Orient, why these three... Why did they recognize? Why did they see and recognize the star? Nobody else did. But they did. They recognized it. They were looking for it. Matthew 2, verse 10. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy, they recognized, and therefore they received. They recognized where true joy comes from. It does not come from the things of this earth. It does not come from the things of this world, for those are momentary, those are temporary, those pass away. The greatest thing you'll get this Christmas might bring a smile and a laughter and a, a hug maybe, hopefully an appreciation to whomever got it for you, but give it a few months, give it a year, and that wears off. It does, it just happens. Why do you think so many of us in this world try to go get the next best thing? I got to have it, I got to have it, I got to have this, I got to have that, I got to get the next one, I got to get the next one, I got to get this upgrade, got to get this update, got to have that new thing. Because we look to, for things of this world to bring us real long-lasting joy, and the reality is nothing in this world can. But the ship, these wise men, they, they recognized where joy came from, and therefore they were able to receive joy. You see, to get joy, they had to recognize it, but then they also had to pursue it. It's just our heat kicking on. Thank God for heat. They recognized it, but they also then had to pursue it. See, unfortunately, we live in a day and a time in a society where we want everything to be brought to us. Right? And we're not willing to always go after it. We want God to bless us. We want God to do something. But we're not always willing to stand up in faith and believe it and pursue it. Amen? The, the wise men teach us a lesson. Pursue it. So here's the deal. They, were, they, they had to deal with, they had to endure a journey and they had to endure a jerk. Anybody ever encounter a jerk? <laughs> Hopefully not yourself. <laughs> Wrestle with yourself. What, jerk? Shut up, jerk. Shut up. Start talking to yourself. A journey and a jerk. 800 miles was their journey over 40 days. That's a long ways to walk. 
They didn't have Uber or a, a car. I mean, they didn't. They had to walk 800 miles, 40 days to follow that star, to pursue that joy. Are we willing to endure in order to receive what God has for us? The society we live in, the world we live in, teaches teaching us a bad lesson. So you don't really have to sacrifice in order to get anything. That's false. Jesus is the epitome of sacrifice in order to attain. They endured a journey. They also endured a jerk, a deceptive tyrant king, King Herod, who was up to no good. But here's what happened. They had a journey... They dealt with a jerk. They, in the middle of what they were dealing with, they still sought the star because they knew the star would get them to Jesus who would be the joy that they were looking for. And friend, I want to tell you this. Maybe, maybe you have these kind of thoughts in your mind. Well, if I just didn't have to go through what I'm going through, I would have some joy. If I just didn't have to deal with this person... Right? We all got some peoples in our life. If we just say, oh, man, if I just didn't have to deal with them, man, I'd be content. I'd be happy. Right? And so what we do, we make the person the enemy, and we make the process our enemy. And that's not the case. God uses process, and God uses people to actually bring joy to our life when we don't really understand all of that you see, we, we expect joy to be free of worries and fears, right? We think, well, if I'm going to have real joy, long-lasting joy, then man, my life's got to be empty of all worry and all fear and, and, and hardship. I just can't have any tough things to, to deal with if I'm going to have some joy, right? I get that. Anybody, anybody, anybody feeling me today? That if I just didn't have this rough patch of life, I'd be happy, man. I'd have joy. But that is not how God's kingdom works in the hearts of people who surrender their life to Him. In fact, the Bible teaches us that joy is actually found in the midst of and even because of hardships. James 1, 2, 3, right in there says, Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, for it tests your faith, and the testing of your faith produces endurance. You and I will never learn how to endure unless we have our faith tested. And when we have our faith tested, Scripture teaches us, consider it joy, count it for joy, look and recognize joy in the midst of hardship. Because that, my friends, is what stands out to the world who doesn't know Christ and looks at your life and looks at our life and says, how in the world can you be so joy-filled with all the junk that you've had to put up with, with all the stuff that you've had to go through, right? And our answer is Jesus, the joy of the Lord, is our strength. So I want to encourage you today, don't... Look to shortcut the process, your journey that God takes you through or that you find yourself in because He will use it. He will use it. He will use it 
for the testing of your faith that will produce endurance, and you'll learn, I will learn, we will learn to have joy in our life. So I want to encourage you, keep seeking, keep following, and keep going because joy is on its way. Which brings me to the last thing Scripture teaches us, and that is this. You're not going to like this one. I'll just tell you that now. It's like good medicine, but tastes bad. Not only do we anticipate joy, we're supposed to recognize it, see it, and know that it's in Jesus. But we also must choose it. We must choose it. Got to choose joy. Got to choose joy. Now, I know you can't just sit here, close your eyes real hard, grit your teeth, make a fist, and just make yourself be joyful. Look like you got to go to the bathroom really bad when you do that. (laughs) Joy is a gift. And joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But here's what we can do. Can't make it happen, but what we can do is choose to live in the ways that God says will bring us joy. Choose to live in the ways that God says will bring us joy. Anybody want to hear what a couple of those might be? Number one is this, choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. Why? Because gratitude gives way to joy. When we don't feel joyful, here's what we need to do. Give thanks. Give thanks when we don't feel joyful. It's, choosing gratitude is counterintuitive. When, when you and I don't feel joy, what we're often tempted to do and often follow through with is gripe and complain, moan and groan. And you might use some other words there. Right? That, that, that's part of our human sinful part of our nature is when, when we're not joyful, when, when it ain't good, we want to tell somebody the what for. For the what for, right? We want to get up, we want to get mad, we want to maybe curse, we want to point fingers, we want to blame, we want to play the victim, right? Yeah. Paul tells us First Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I get it. I do. I'm with you. I sympathize and empathize with you. That is a whole lot easier said than done. I can't tell you how many times I've gone, gotten up on my crutches this week and gone to pick something up and dropped it. And here's what I've done. Ugh! Because it ain't easy when your leg won't bend and you can't put pressure on it to bend over and pick something up when you're standing. Right? Unless you is just real flexible. (laughs) And I isn't. (laughs) But I caught myself this week, after reading some of this stuff, praying about it, thinking, ah, coming out of my mouth. And then I sat down in a comfortable chair, and I looked around my house, and I looked out my window, and I just said, God, I thank you for a warm house. I thank you that uh, I actually have something to pick up and drop. Amen? Amen. Feeling overwhelmed? Give thanks. Friend, I'm not telling you anything that, that, that I haven't been prescribed. And that I'm trying to be a good patient and take it. 
feeling anything but joy? Give thanks. God, you got to do something. God, you got to do something. God, you got to do something. He's like, I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. What? Just choose. Choose gratitude. It gives way to thank, uh, gives way to joy. Here's another one. Choose obedience. Why? Because obedience gives way to joy. In John 15, Jesus is teaching. He says, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. And I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. And yes, he says, yes, your joy will overflow. I want some overflowing joy in my life. And you know what will bring overflowing joy in our life? Jesus tells us is this, obey his word. Aim your life to walk in his direction. You see, obedience is not being perfect. Obedience is walking through the process of learning to know what God's word says and and being willing to want to do it. Even when you fall. Even when we don't get them all right. Come on, I mean, let's, is, we, we, no, we don't get them all right every day, right? We just don't. But it's the process. Obedience is the process of aiming your life in that direction. And here's what uh, I've discovered. The more we aim our life in the direction of obedience, the more we open our hearts up and our lives up to receive joy in our life. No greater joy that I have than I see my children walking in the truth, John tells us. Not only does it bring God joy to see his children walking in the truth, but it brings our own lives joy. How how many of you like people to tell you that you're doing something right? You're doing something good. Anytime I tell my my oldest daughter, "You, you did such a good job with that, you're doing such a great job with this, she smiles. Why? Because people want to know that they're doing something right. Amen? Choosing obedience gives way to joy. And lastly is this. We get ready to wrap up. Choosing joy. Choose to abide. Not fight, not wrestle, not kick against and not struggle against God. God wants you to be joy-filled. He does. The world has this idea that if you turn to the Lord, give Jesus your life and all that, He's just going to suck all the fun and suck all the joy out of your life. He's not up there with a huge straw. Oh, there's a, there's a person I can just suck the joy right over. I get, I get a kick out of sucking the joy out of my people. No. God loves to give joy. But that joy comes when you and I choose to abide in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus' teaching, he says, in that same chapter, John 15, he says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Joy can abound in our life as you and I abide in a relationship of life-giving life-sustaining relationship with Jesus Christ. He uses the word vine to describe that this is a process of, this. think of a vine, it's ongoing growth, love, and nourishment into the life of a believer. And he said, remain attached to that. Remain in that. 
Keep yourself attached to me. I am the vine and you are the branch. And the more you remain in me, the more productive your life will be. The more of me you will have, the more of the fruit of the Spirit you will have. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I want all those active in me. Something my flesh doesn't. My stubbornness doesn't. My rebelliousness doesn't. My pride doesn't. But oh, the Spirit of God in me wants that for my life. And how do we get this joy? How do we get that fruit to abound? Abiding in a relationship. Not being perfect in it. Religion teaches you and I that we got to be perfect in it. Now I know Scripture tells us, be perfect for I am perfect. Be holy for I am holy. How do you do that? You grow into it. I am the vine, ongoing nourishment and growth. Friend, the goal should be this, is to be better at the end of next year than you are at the end of this year. To be more obedient next year than you are this year. To be more grateful next year than you are this year. To be more in a loving life field, walking side to side, elbow to elbow, cheek to cheek, hand to hand with Jesus as He is there with you, even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of your darkness, even in the midst of your chaos, even in the midst of your cray-cray world that may or may not be your fault. Jesus is there. So feeling blue this Christmas? Mm. Reconnect your life to the lifeline who is Jesus. Just go ahead, choose in your heart. God, I haven't been perfect. I know I have done things my own way this year at times. And I know I have struggled and I know that I have been stubborn and insistent in myself and my ways different times. But today, this season, I just want to walk with you. I just want to do it your way. Feeling busy, rushed, hurried, overwhelmed? Pause. Take time. Connect yourself to the one from whom all your blessings flow. Anybody want to be blessed? Anybody? Nobody wants to be blessed in this place. Who wants to be blessed by God? Come on, you want your life to flourish. You want to be blessed. You want to be favored. You want God's richness and goodness to flow. Yeah, abide in Him. Tim's going to come. He's going to close this out with an appropriate song joy to the world. And I want to tell you this. As he comes, I'm going to pray for you. I want to let you know, I want to tell you and remind you that in Jesus, here it is. Remember this. In Jesus, you gain, we gain joy in our journey. You and I, we got a long life to live. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You still got life ahead of you you got a journey still ahead of you. And I think we could all use joy for our journey, amen? Whatever our journey is, however long or weary we might be or cold it might be on that journey, we need joy.
joy in our reality. Jesus gives us joy in our reality. Whatever the present condition of our life is, let me tell you, it will change. If you're going through something right now that's hard, that's difficult, that is just really wearing you down, wearing you out, making you pull what hair you got left out, that season will come to an end. That season of suffering and hurting will come to an end, and the sun will come up. Amen? I'm not telling you a, 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 a fairy tale story, and I'm telling you the truth because it's demonstrated in God's Word. Joy in your journey, joy in your reality, and joy in your choices. It's okay you got it wrong in the choice you made last year. You got it wrong in the choices you made yesterday. But you got it right by the choice you made today. You're here. You're in church. You're in the presence of God. And even when you didn't want to cross aisles and hug and, and greet each other, that's what God does. That's what it, the reality of it is. Don't... I, I wish I could have walked across. It, this makes me grateful that I get to walk again one day without pain, without hurt. I'm not going to say I'm going to go play football again like I did. Huh. My wife's like, ixnay on the football, eh? Ice skating. That's funny. It's all about choice. It's all about choice.